0: Are you sitting, standing, or moving forward? Now, I know that sounds like an awkward question to ask on a podcast. However, this is the question I found myself asking as a pastor of the church God allowed me to lead. So let me explain to you what I mean. A church that's sitting down really isn't doing much. They're going nowhere. They gather for church. They sit. I'll never forget reading the scripture The Great Commission one day realizing our mission was to make disciples. So I just asked a question out loud to myself. Are we making disciples? I sat back for a moment and I answered my own question out loud. We aren't developing disciples. We're making people sit. They sit in their small group. They sit in their church on Sunday morning. They sit on Sunday night. And then we invite them back to come on Wednesday and do what? Sit down. I had done a great job at getting people to sit together. I'm Dr. Levi Skipper, Evangelism Catalyst for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. You're listening to No Sweat Evangelism, my podcast designed to help you make sharing your faith a priority. So is your church sitting, standing, or moving? A standing church is one that wants to do something but doesn't really know how. I learned this early on. I would preach and encourage the fire out of people to serve in the body of Christ and share the gospel with those who are far from God. I remember someone coming up to me afterwards and just asking, Levi, I really want to serve and share, so what do I do next? And then it dawned on me. I didn't know what to tell them to do. I knew what I wanted the church to do, but I hadn't identified a clear pathway to equip and actually send them. Now, a church that isn't sitting or standing is moving forward to accomplish the mission of making disciples. Brian Bloy, guest speaker at our evangelism conference, Pastors Westridge in Pauldon County, and he's led his fellowship to be a church that isn't sitting, that isn't standing, but is actually moving forward. So let's drop in for just a bit of this message.
1: We started down this journey of being a sending church instead of a church that focused all of its efforts simply on gathering people simply to keep them. We embrace this, it's not about me attitude. We had, we had T-shirts made that said, it's not about me. And we started partnering with God on building his kingdom. And, and God did greater things than we could ever have dreamed of. J.D. Greer wrote, he said, God builds his kingdom as we let go, not as we hold on. Jesus once promised his disciples that God would use them to do greater things than he had ever done while he was here on this earth. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said this. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do the greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. You think about that and you go, how in the world could we ever do greater works than Jesus? How, I mean, how could we do greater miracles, preach greater sermons, pray greater prayers? But here's what this means. Greater does not mean the great, greater in the quality of the work we do. It means that the reach and the extent of the works of Jesus would be greater when the Holy Spirit rested on every believer. And as we know, Jesus limited himself to to being at one place at one time. His travels were limited, as were the number of people that could actually hear his voice. But in the years since, I mean, the church has carried his message of salvation to billions of people all over the world. I mean, but think of the power and the potential of the churches. Just in this state convention, if we said, hey, we're going to work together, doesn't matter what size church we have, doesn't matter where we are, but we're going to work together focused on the mission of sharing the gospel together. Churches that truly understand this potential, listen, they don't just uh, invest their energy into gathering people on Sunday morning. They invest heavily into empowering their people, training them up, and sending them out to expand the kingdom. Listen, it's what the first church in Acts chapter two understood. A church empowered by the Holy Spirit was an unstoppable kingdom force. Now, I cannot tell you how often I've had to go back to that moment sitting on that beach bench. In Laguna Beach in 2003, I cannot tell you how many times I've had to die to myself, die to my own desires, die to my 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 insecurities, my fears, die to the idea of building my own kingdom, the pastor for my own glory. Remind myself of, of of this promise that Jesus gave his disciples to trust in trust in him and pursue his glory and his kingdom. And he said, "You'll see greater things." I cannot tell you how many times I have to go back and just say, "Lord, I die to." myself. In January 2009, I was uh, in, a, in a meeting in Chicago with 12 other pastors from all over the country. And one of the guys leading the conversation in the room was this South African guy named Alan Hirsch. I, I, I don't know if you ever heard him or met him. He's about a buck 30 wet. I mean, he's just, but he's a missiology, he's an author, and, 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 he, and he's done extensive research on religion in America. And I remember him saying this. He said from his research, he said that 60% of Americans. The current population will never attend a megachurch. 60% of the population of America will never attend a megachurch. And he said that 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 60% number was growing. That means that the fields are ripe unto harvest for every church in this country that runs fewer than 2,000 people. I don't know what you run here today, but I'm gonna tell you something. If it's less than 2,000, that's good news for for you. Author James Emery White in his book, The Rising of the Nun, states that the population in our country that now checked the box none for religious affiliation is growing at an astounding rate in the last 20 years. Overall, church attendance has declined by 20%. It's unbelievable. And from Hirsch's research, this population is growing exponentially in the major population centers of our country, our major cities. Listen, I, I, like you, I'm concerned about the direction that our nation is heading. I'm, I, 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 there's a serious void in our country right now. God is being pushed out of every arena. I mean, the world appears to be getting darker by the moment, but if we're going to penetrate the darkness in our communities and in our nation and in our world and for, for Christ, we have to embrace Jesus' strategy to reach lost people. You say, what does that look like? Well, let me give you just a couple things. First of all, we have to die to ourselves. That's where it all begins. We have to die to comfort. We have to die to complacency. We have to die to apathy. We have to die to this ambition that seeks glory for ourselves, and and, and we have to lead our churches to expand the kingdom of God. I tell our church all the time, listen, when pride walks up on our stage, God walks right off. This is about putting the spotlight on Jesus, And and if we're not doing that, we need to just shut the doors. In John chapter 12, Jesus tells his disciples that the time had come for him to be glorified. For him to experience death and resurrection and then to ascend back to the Father. And then he uses this agricultural illustration to teach a spiritual principle. And in John 12, 24, here's what he says. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus came, had come into the world to die, to, to give his life as a substitutionary atonement for sinners, and in the same way that single grain produces much wheat, Jesus' death, he said it's gonna yield much spiritual fruit, which means salvation and eternal life for all of those who trust in him. And then Jesus says this in verse 25, he says, whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. In other words, if we live a self-centered existence where our church and our ministry is all about us, we're just gonna, we're gonna lose the very thing that we're trying to hold on to. But if we turn ourselves and our people outward and live a life focused on the mission of Jesus to see the lost world, the lost world reach with the gospel, not only will we be rewarded in this life, but in the life to come. J.D. Greer says, living comes by dying, gaining comes by losing. His call was not to come and grow, but to come and die. He calls us first, not to a platform, but to an altar. Back in 2003, on that bench in California, God was, I think about God was calling me to die to myself. Die to my ambition to pastor a large church. Die to my ambition to to make a name for myself. Die to to any hidden ambition, any shadow mission I had going on to to promote my name, to promote Brian Bloy. And one of the lessons that God has had to drill into this thick skull over over and over and over and over again is that he is very jealous for his glory. Glory means heavy. Glory means preeminence. I mean, it, it all comes down to, at the end of the day, who's getting the credit? Who's getting, who's getting the spotlight? In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, the Lord said, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another. And here's a fact. It's not about you. It's not about me. It never has been, never will be. It's all about his glory. It's about his, him having your whole heart. It's about us Turning ourselves outward to reach lost people, to live and to expand his kingdom while we're here on this earth. I mean, being about the mission of Jesus and nothing else. Jeff Christopherson says, at any given moment, I'm either expanding the kingdom of God or the dominion of darkness, period. There is no third opinion. Listen, every time we've planted a church and staff members and people leave to go, I have to die to myself. I, I, you know, and When you say that you're gonna be about the kingdom, God will test you, sometimes publicly. One of our church plants, I'll never forget this. Back in 2008, we were planting a church in Rockmart, Georgia, which is just probably 20 miles north of us. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm we had, we had asked uh, our church planter, Danny Eccles. I said, you can fish our pond, bro. Anybody, you can build a small group, and anybody that feels led to leave with you, just you can grab them and take them. And so the day that we were kind of commissioning Danny and, and, and his wife Gracie to leave our church, I'm, I'm looking, I'm standing with Danny and Gracie, and there's a, there's a, literally, I don't know, 40, 50 people behind me that are leaving to move with him to Rockmart, Georgia, the next Sunday to, to start this. Crossview Church, and I look back, and and I'm not lying, our largest giver was standing behind me, and when I say largest, number two wasn't even close, and we're just finishing off a building campaign, and I know in my mind how much he has left to give, and I'm looking, I'm looking, I mean, he's standing right there. This guy owns the largest GMC dealer chain in the entire Southeast, and he's leaving. He's caught the vision, and he's leaving with Danny Eccles. And that Sunday, the the next Sunday, Danny calls me on the phone. And he says, Hey, you're not going to believe what so and so just put in the offering plate. And I'm like, Praise God, Danny. That's awesome. But I'm going to tell you something. When I looked back and saw that guy, it was a punch to my gut. When I heard that phone, it was a punch to my gut. And God took me back and said, You serious about my kingdom? You serious about my glory? Because if you're that serious and you trust me enough, you know that I can replace that any moment. And can I tell you something? God's done that two more times with our church in the last however many years, and He's made up for it every single time. See, when we die to self, we set ourselves up to bear much fruit. When we line ourselves up with God's kingdom instead of our own kingdom, we open the door for God to do greater things. We got to die to self. Whatever self ambition, whatever. Listen, I'm going to tell you. I and I don't say this to brag. I, I was sitting out in the green room a moment ago, and you know, I I feel to be honest, this is a little out of my element speaking at conferences like this. And I just walked around this parkway and I just pleaded with God. I said, Lord, I just died to myself right now. I just want to walk out of here and just know that I've, that I've done a great job for you. And if nobody thinks, I don't need anything else. I just, I die to my need to hear, well done, good job, any likes on Twitter, any retweets, any whatever. I just have to, I have to do that on Sunday mornings. But if we're truly going to see the kingdom expanded, the pastors in this room right now have to learn to get on our faces and be broken and die to self. If it's all about us, how can God ever use us when it's all about his glory and his name? And then we have to stay outward focused. One of the things that we have tried to be intentional about is putting simple tools in the hands of our people to help them to be missionaries, the people that will never darken the doors of our church. I, I was listening to, to, to Jason this morning who did a phenomenal job with, with, with your talk, Jason. That was awesome, very challenging. But I mean, we've done so many things over the years just to teach our people to be, you know, try to put tools in their hands to share the gospel and to make it easy and so a couple of years ago, we just came up with this idea. What if We created a, just a real simple acronym called BLESS to just give our people a personal plan just to be able to share the gospel. And I don't have it on the screen, but if you wanna write it down, I'll give it to you. And we just said, listen, just write down the word BLESS and here's what it means. Just, number one, just begin with prayer. If you're gonna truly you know, it, it, partner with the Holy Spirit and, and seeing someone come to Christ and be a tool in God's hands, you better be praying for that person. And the second thing is just, L means listen. I've learned over the years, people really don't care about how much you know until they know how about how, how much you care. And we're not good listeners all the time. We're just kind of waiting for, to say the next thing that's in our mind of what they've just you know, said. But we've got to teach it. We've taught our people, begin with prayer and then just listen to people. Listen to where they're coming from. Ask God for open doors to engage their story and then sit down and eat. That's E. You say, what is that all about? Well, listen, my community, when we moved to Dallas, Georgia in, in, in uh, 97, in Paulding County, eight percent minority now it's almost 33 30 percent and i've told our church god called us not only to love our neighbors but to reach our neighbors and that doesn't mean we're going to reach people that look like us think like us act like us i mean we if we're if we've been called to reach our neighbors we've got to reach the whole neighborhood and if we're going to reach the neighborhood we've got to understand our neighbors i've got about nine or ten church planners african-american church planners that call me pastor they say, you're my spiritual father. And I've looked at these guys and I've just said, if I'm gonna be your spiritual father, I better get to know what it means to be a father to you. And I've just looked at them and I said, will you, can I ask you honest questions? And will you not be offended by what I don't know or by what I assume? Because not only am I, you want me to be a spiritual father, but my community's changing and there's a whole bunch of my neighbors that I truly don't understand like I should. And so listen, when I say eat, we just sat down over lunch, Panera Bread, or wherever it is, and just I just said, can I ask you this question? Can I ask you this question? Ask me whatever you want. Can you promise not to be offended? Because listen, there are 30% right now, and it's growing in Paulding County, that I'm heartbroken for, and we've got to reach with the gospel, because they are as, as important as any other person that lives in our community. And God, I'm, we're, we're, my wife and I made a commitment, we're going to be there for the rest of our lives. And if the community continues to change, I want to reach every neighbor that moves in around us. But I got to know our neighbors. And so begin with prayer, listen, eat, and then serve. We got to just turn our people loose to serve people. It's hard for them to walk into the building when they're intimidated by everything that they see in the building. But if they know we're out there caring for them and we're loving on them, then they can come in and then finally share when God opens the door, just what do you share? You share your story, you share the gospel, you share the, you know, the Romans road, whatever that may look like. But it's just been a real simple tool to put in their hands. And right now we're challenging our people to pray for their one. Who's your one? I love that initiative. But when you find your one, then bless. Again with prayer, listen, eat, serve, share. My wife and I, we, we've had our one for, for years. Uh, it's, our, it's our mechanic and his wife, Vinny and Fran Maradi. Vinny is a I mean he's as Brooklyn as Brooklyn can be. He's Catholic. When I start talking about Jesus, he gets more Catholic than ever than when he was before I walked in. Fran is is Jewish. And my wife, and they have had meals together now. Fran started listening to me on, online. And, you know, I did a whole series on the book of Hebrews, and she was so intrigued by everything that I was speaking on and it, how it related to, you know, to, to the Jewish people and what was going on back at the time. But my wife and I, we, when, when we pray for Fran and Vinny, one of the things that we prayed over the years is, Lord, would you give us just, just give us the, the, the ability to, to reconnect with them and, Every time we pray that, our car breaks down. It's the craziest thing. So we're conflicted when we pray that way because it always costs me a lot of money. But we know with all of our heart that there will come a day when we will see Fran and Vinny put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be their savior. But we've just had to engage their lives. And, and I walk in there, car's broken down, and, and she'll say, hey, I just listened to something in your sermon, and I have a question, and I say, Fran, you know where this is going. It's going to Jesus, and you know, she's like, I know, I know what you're all about. Go ahead and go there, and I'm like, lay up. I mean, and once again, and we get a chance to share the gospel. But we have to stay outward focused, die to self, and then focus more on sending the gathering. What would it look like for the churches in the state of Georgia to begin raising up the next generation of church planners and pastors and missionaries, and then working together as churches, pulling resources together to plant churches together. Think of the potential. I know some of you may pastor a church of 100, but what if you could be part of a group of four or five other churches that are planting along with you? And what if that young man comes out of your church Think of the win of being able to st- just put that young man on your stage and go, we are planting a, ch- a-, a-, a church out of this church along with four or five other churches. First time in 200 years we're doing this. But my gosh, what would that would do for your church? To focus on being a sundering church to then being just a gathering church. Listen, Jesus, you talk about fishing. He was a-, a catch and release fisherman, not a catch and keep fisherman. And then be faithful to make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples. One of the the greatest challenges I'm seeing right now in the world of church planning is the lack of planners. The pipeline is drying up. As much as we love our seminaries, we're not seeing them come out of the seminaries right now. Right now, we're praying very specifically at Westridge for our own middle schoolers, for our own high schoolers, for our own young adults. We're asking God to raise up a courageous, bold, next generation of church planners and, and missionaries and pastors who will stand for Jesus boldly and faithfully preach His word. Together, we need to get back to this challenge of, 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 of challenging our own students, challenging our young adults to give their lives to full-time ministry, to call out the call, to become very intentional about training them up, b- encouraging them, believing them. I love what Jason said. We've got to believe in this, 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 these millennials, these next, this, uh, Gen Xers, Gen, uh, Gen Zs. We've got to believe in them, we've got to encourage them. We've got to stop putting them down. We've got to stop coming against the way that they're wired. They're wired the way they are because we raised them that way. But we've got to believe in them, we've got to pour encouragement on it, and then we've we've got to give them opportunities to serve and lead and send them out. And then finally, we've got to ask God to bring revival to our churches and communities. I love that one of the focuses is revival here. Revival. What is it? It's an awakening. It's a stimulate,
0: stimulating the life, bringing it to the surface once again. What a powerful message. So grateful for Brian Bloy and his ministry. You just heard about a church that isn't sitting or standing, but is moving forward. Let's walk away from the macro view of your church and kind of shine a spotlight on you alone. How would you describe your own Christian walk? Are you sitting, standing, or moving forward? Can I encourage you to start moving? And here's an easy pathway to jump on. We've put out a new resource called No Sweat Evangelism. This is a way for you or a small group or your whole church to learn how to share Jesus. Visit nosweatevangelism.com. That's nosweatevangelism.com. Also, do us a favor. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. It really helps. This has been a production of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Special thanks to our producer, John Graham. And stay tuned, my Jesus following friends. Another episode is on the horizon.